Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. There are different keys for everything these days. Uh, For example, there's a key on my phone. The key is facial identification. And if the camera's covered up or if my face is covered up, it lets me put in a key code. My wife has a car that works without a key. It has a key fob. And uh, I'm not used to driving it. Sometimes I'll get out of it with the key fob. In my mind, if I have the key, it must be off, but it is still running. Anybody ever done that before with their key fob? There are keys to everything. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus gives us the key to understanding not only what Easter is about, but also what our purpose on this earth is for. And uh, we're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to ask God to allow His Holy Spirit to help us understand, have our minds opened to what the key is. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have given us this opportunity to gather together and meet and praise you and worship you, and uh, we just ask that you'd put your favor on us so that we would be transformed from the inside out, transformed and changed to be more like Jesus in his character and more like him in his mission. God, we, we completely trust your word that says the scripture will not go out and come back empty, but will accomplish your goal, so we rely completely on you now, and I rely completely on the power of your word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to bring about the change you desire. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Man, I'm looking at the clock, and we got to get out of here before the Baptists go to lunch. I think I, think I can do it, but I want to read, I want to read this passage of scripture, chapter 24 of Luke, and it is 53 verses long. But we're going to do a little bit of interaction, and then we're going to look at three keys that Jesus gives us in these 53 verses, if you can hang with me. Here is Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Hang with me, hang with me. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, this is about 1,993 years ago, so we'll just round up and say about 2,000 years ago, on this morning, this Jesus rose from the dead. That's what it's talking about here. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Jesus, when he had died on that Friday, they had wrapped his, tomb, his body kind of mummy style. And in between the linen, they would put spices and they would put uh, like tree sap, like myrrh, and it would stick those clothes together that he was wrapped in. But they wanted more spice. There was a certain amount they needed to use, otherwise you could smell the dead body. And so they didn't know. They did not believe that he was going to be risen from the dead. And they went back to the tomb. They were curious how they were going to roll that stone away. They were curious what they were going to find. But they they said to themselves, we we need to put more spice in that wrapping. Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now that's our cue to respond with, he is risen indeed. I told you we were going to be able to do it. 
Remember that line? He is risen, he is risen indeed. I'll read that line again and then you give the response. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. He risen oh, you got that better than the first hour did. Good job. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Now the reason why Luke put those names in there is because when he started writing his historical account, he went and interviewed eyewitnesses to this event. And it must have been that Mary, Joanna, and the other Mary, and some other ladies were still around where you could go check Is what Luke said about you all real? And they would say, yeah, I was there. That's the reason he wrote their names in. We have eyewitnesses to this event. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept, they were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd sent a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, now, (laughs) I had trouble wrapping my mind around this, but it's like Jesus calls them a bunch of idiots. And, And I had trouble wrapping my mind around it until I thought, I think sometimes Jesus thinks that about me. I think sometimes he looks at me and says, Dale, I love you, but you're an idiot. And I I think that's kind of how Jesus did with these disciples. Because he said something, it's kind of harsh, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets. By the way, when it says that, that's talking about this part of the Bible. Moses and all the prophets, the Old Testament. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen. Uh, I caught some of you sleeping. The Lord is risen. He's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. Almost finished. Hang with me. We're almost finished with this chapter. While they were still speaking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now there's a reason why he said, hey, hang on guys, because if somebody just appears in your midst, you're going to jump out of your skin. And they thought it was a ghost. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do, you doubt, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he, had shown, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. He still had the scars from the nails. In his new body, he still has the scars. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have something to eat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He's proving to them that he's really there, in the flesh, a new body, risen from the dead. He is risen. Ah. That one was pitiful. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Three more verses. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Thank you for staying with me, staying with me. There are three keys in that story, three scenes that we need to see to have things unlocked within us. That we have an abandoned tomb, we have an incomplete meal, and we have an evolving role. An abandoned tomb, an incomplete meal, and an evolving role, like a job. First, an abandoned tomb. The The abandoned tomb is, the key to understanding that is the words of Jesus. The key to understanding all that went on was the words of Jesus. That's what the angels said when the the women got there and they noticed the the stone was rolled away. The angel said to them, he is not here, he is risen. risen Remember how he told you. He said, go back to the words of Jesus. This is the key to understanding what you're seeing. This is the key to understanding everything that has happened. The key to understanding the cross and the resurrection, the death and the empty tomb is the words of Jesus. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. The words of Jesus is the key to understanding. Another way it could be said is that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Now, the gospel can be said in several different ways. The gospel 
Oh, man, we didn't erase that very good. Can you still see the old letters? Gospel. Can, can you all see the letters I'm writing? Yes, thank you. One person that said they could. Gospel. The words of Jesus describing what went on. The words of Jesus telling them the key to understand. The words of Jesus explaining what all had happened Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The death on the cross, the sacrificial death on the cross, and the empty tomb that they discovered because Jesus raised from the dead. Okay? Gospel. Now, there's different ways of explaining the gospel, but I want to tell you one way. Uh, Dare to Share group says to do it this way, using the letters from the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. Each letter would stand for a certain word to help us remember how to explain the gospel and to tell it. G will stand for God. O will stand for our, like us, our. S will stand for sin. P for paying. E for everyone and L for life. God created everything, including you and me. You have the fingerprints of God all over you. Psalm 100 verse 3 says God is the creator and owner of you and me. Can't the artist who creates the artwork define what that artwork means? See, God, when he created us, he defines who we are and he desires to be in a relationship with us. You and I can really know and have a dynamic relationship with the living God of the universe. We can talk with him and he can talk with us. We can really know him. And that's his desire, that we would know him. But our desire to rule over ourself separates us from God. In fact, that was the big deal with Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, I want to have a relationship with you. I have given you everything you need, and I'm going to satisfy all of your desires. And then they were lured away by sin. They said, maybe I would like to have that, and I'd like to rule in my, myself instead of having God rule us. And that sin separates us, separates them from God. And that sin separates us from God. If you have ever chosen to do your own thing instead of the thing that God has told you to do, whether on purpose or accident, that's called sin, and that sin separates us from God. In the scripture, it says that everybody, including me and including you, all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. There are three words in the Bible to describe sin. The word sin, which means miss the mark, transgression, which means rebellion, and iniquity, which means to twist and pervert. All of us have done that type of sin. God has set up a moral code on how to live. He said, if you live by my moral code, it will go better for you than if you live on a path of selfishness and destruction. And all of us have missed that mark. We have all sinned. In fact, even if you don't believe in God and you set your own standards for how you're going to live and how you're not going to lose your temper and how you're going to be gentle, how you talk with somebody and how you're not going to ever be embarrassed by what you say, even then you fall short of your own standards. That's called sin. And all of us have said, I want to rule over myself. That's called rebellion, transgression. 
And then we take, each one of us has taken something good that God has allowed us to have, something we're allowed to enjoy, and we've twisted it and perverted it, and it's become iniquity. It says all of us have done this at one time or another, and that sin separates us from a holy God. And not only does that sin separate us from a holy God, but it makes us sick inside. We have a sin sickness, and now we owe God a sin debt. We have broken the law, and we need to pay for it. S stands for sin. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, We have this sin debt, we have this sin sickness, and we're guilty, and we can't do anything good enough to pay for our debt or heal our sin sickness. I used this illustration in the last hour, and it went like this. Let's pretend, and this is a terrible pretend, I know, this is a terrible pretend game. Let's pretend I killed your grandma, murdered her. I know that's a terrible game to play. Um, John Jacobson said over here, and he said his grandkids looked at his wife and went, see ya. So maybe I shouldn't use that illustration, but let's just pretend. Let's just pretend I killed your grandma. Now, what amount of good could I do in the world to make up for murdering your grandmother. See, there's nothing I can do. In fact, there's no amount of good I could do and there's no amount of money I could pay that's gonna bring your grandmother back. You see how good deeds and being good don't pay our sin debt? Isaiah says, even our good deeds are like dirty rags when we are entered into sin and rebellion and are divided from God. This part is the bad news. But gospel means good news. So we need the second half of the story, the words of Jesus, to explain what is good about this. We're separated from God because of our own sin. But in his love... God sends his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. And Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that we couldn't. And he never sinned. Because he never sinned, he could become a sacrifice for sin and pay the sin debt. Because he's human, he could die for one person. But because he's also God, God in the flesh, he can die for all mankind. And on the cross, he took our sin into his body. He became a curse in our place, and he paid the debt that we owe God. And he buried those sins in the grave. And when he rose from the dead, he is risen. When he rose from the dead, he left those sins dead as well. So that we could have new life. And the resurrection proves that we can have life and life to the full. And the resurrection proves that he defeated sin and he defeated Satan and he even defeated death. The resurrection proves that he has the power to forgive our sin and make us healthy in our souls. He pays the cost that we can't pay. And John 3.16 says, everyone who believes this who entrust themselves to Jesus Christ, will be forgiven and will live in eternal life. And the L, John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life. See, it's the words of Jesus that is the key to our understanding, the empty tomb. The cross and the grave is the key to our understanding all of Scripture. And it's the gospel. 
Not only does he give us an empty tomb, but he also gives us an incomplete meal. And the incomplete meal, we go back to the words of Jesus, we go back to the scripture, we go back to this gospel message. They're having the meal with Jesus, he breaks bread, and I'm curious if if Cleopas or maybe that other disciple, they had been with Jesus when he had broken bread before. There's two times described in the gospels, the biographies of Jesus, where Jesus breaks bread, he blesses it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he passes it out, and he feeds thousands of people. One time he fed 5,000 men plus women and children with two loaves of bread and five fishes. And I wonder if they remembered him breaking that bread and then passing it out. Or maybe, were they, were they Cleopas and this other disciple, were they with Jesus at the Last Supper? When he broke bread, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he poured the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you in my blood. I wonder, were they there when he did that? Because when he broke the bread, they recognized him. And then listen to the words they said. Were not our hearts burning within us? Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? His words and the scripture were the key to their heart being opened. Their key to their emotions being stirred. Their key to knowing him. And it goes back to this gospel. Jesus gave us this meal to do whenever we gather. And it's called communion. And it's the finishing of the meal that they started with those disciples. It's finishing of the meal that Jesus gave us to remember him. And it is an incomplete meal to this day. First Corinthians, Paul writes, he says, whenever you participate in this meal, you're declaring his death until he comes back. Well, how could he come back? Unless, of course, he's alive. Would you take out your cup for communion, your cup and your bread? Would you take out your bread? We're talking about the gospel here, and the bread and the cup are instruments that point us to the gospel. The good news of Jesus, that he died and rose again. The bread points us to his body. The cup points us to his blood. Paul tells us there's a mystery here that happens. When you participate in the bread, you actually participate in his body. When you participate in the cup, you are actually participating in his blood. I can't understand it any further than that. You know, you can spend a lot of time at church And you can spend a lot of time reading your Bible and just find out facts about Jesus. And you can never know him. Isn't it true that we can know a lot about somebody and not know them? And the way you get to know somebody is to spend time with them. And I think Jesus, one of the reasons I think he gave us this meal is so that we could spend time with him. Maybe even imaginatively. Prompted by our Holy Spirit, imagine us sitting at the table as he passes out this bread, breaking the norms, because they were used to hearing the father of the table said, this is the bread of affliction that our father suffered, but he changed it. He said, this is the bread that is my body. He changed the words. They didn't know what he was doing until after he rose from the dead and they remembered his words. I think this is an opportunity where God can nourish us spiritually and we actually spend time with Jesus and we get to know him, not just know about him. 
Today, would you remember that Jesus Christ died for you? And he passed out this bread and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you remember he died for you on the cross as you participate in the bread? Lord, I imagine you handing that bread out to your disciples and me being there with them. I thank you for this gift where we get to spend time with together. I thank you for this mystery of the spiritual nourishment where we are participating in the body of Christ. Would you take out your cup? And would you remember his blood poured out for you, shed for you, spiritually covering over all of your sins, washing you clean? Participate in the cup. Lord, we praise you for this time where we remember. And we thank you that we get to spend time with you. God, would you help this moment by allowing us to draw closer to you and you draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you see how each time the abandoned grave points us to the gospel, the incomplete meal points us to the gospel, points us to the words of Jesus The words of Jesus are the key to unlocking our understanding, the key to unlocking our hearts, stirring our emotions to him. He gives us an abandoned grave, and it's abandoned because the person who was in it left it. You only get put in the grave if you're dead, but he is risen. All right, let me try again. He left us the abandoned grave. The only reason why you would leave a grave is if you were alive. The only reason you get put in the grave is you're dead. But he is risen. Thank you. Left us an abandoned grave. He left us an incomplete meal. And he left us evolving roles. Let me, let me go over those roles uh, with this passage of Scripture. And again, it's the key, the key to understanding this is Scripture. Then, verse 45, he opened their minds. He's with his disciples. He opened their minds so that he, they could understand Scripture. You know, I think that one of the reasons why he prevented the disciples on the road to Emmaus from recognizing him is because he knew he would not be there any longer in the flesh where they could see him, but they would have the Scripture. And so if they could understand Scripture, they would know what he was saying. He knew he was going to ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to rule over the earth until everything is complete and he comes back to get us. He knew he wasn't going to be there, so he explained the Scripture to them. We still have the Scripture. And he still helps us understand it. Verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day, and he will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. The key to their understanding and the key to their new job is the scripture. 
is the gospel of Jesus. And they had a new job. Go tell what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have felt, what you've experienced. And they did. Everywhere they went, they would tell somebody. They would tell people about Jesus, this Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior from God. And this knowledge that they had, it wasn't supposed to puff them up. It was supposed to make them grateful and excited to tell everybody. If you get rescued from a burning building, the knowledge that you got rescued doesn't make you think you're better than other people. If you are drowning in the sea and somebody throws you a lifeline and you get rescued, you don't think you're better than other people, judging other people. No, you're grateful you got saved. And when we remember that Jesus paid for our sins through his death, we are grateful and we can't help but tell people about it. And we've all been given this role. And I wonder where, the, where you find yourself in this role. For example, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ or you do not know Jesus, even if you just know things about Jesus, we could call you a seeker. But I got to tell you, this is a really nice way of saying it. Because the scripture is much more harsh for people outside of the relationship with God. There are descriptions here. And the descriptions for somebody not in a relationship with God is lost. Destined for hell. Child of Satan. Blind. In the kingdom of darkness. But Jesus is so gentle. The words he uses for the person who is outside of faith. He says, just be curious. Come and see. Come and see. Come and ask the questions. There's no question that Jesus can't stand up under. There's no question that he can't answer. And he uses scripture to help you answer. But he just says, come and see. And then if you get your questions answered and you see that Jesus really is Lord, he really is Savior, we, we call you a believer. And you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You move from being a child of Satan to a child of God. You move from on a path of destruction to now a path of light. This is usually where somebody obeys the gospel. The scripture says you need to hear about Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again to save you from your sins, and you need to believe it. You need to entrust yourself completely to him. When you entrust yourself completely to him, we are called to repent of our old life the old way of living, and take on the new way of living. We're called to confess what's in our heart. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we want him as our Lord and Savior. And we are told and commanded to be baptized into, buried into his death, and raised by faith to a new life, having your sins completely washed away. But when you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you're a baby in the faith. And you're supposed to grow up in the faith. And you know what Jesus says to you here? He no longer says, come and see. He now says, follow me. Follow me. Learn from me. Obey me. 
And if you're a mature disciple, you've been around Christianity a long time, you know Jesus, you don't just know about him, your job is to go help this person get to be here, and then your job is to help this person grow up, grow up in maturity and faith. Connect this person with a family of God because they're going to need relationships to help them grow up. Teach them how to eat and walk and talk. Eat the scripture, say prayers, and serve so they can grow up. And once they start growing up, Jesus has a new description for you, a new role. He says, you're now a worker. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he sent out his disciples, those who had started following him, who were obeying him, who were living like he did. He sent them out two by two. He gave them authority over sickness and over over disease and over demons. And they came back. They preached repentance. And they came back and they said, Jesus, you won't believe it. What is happening? And he said, he said to them, Don't be proud that demons bow to the authority I gave you, but be thankful your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Keep growing up. Keep maturing. Keep falling in love with Jesus. And then if you become a reproducing disciple, disciple maker, continually teach these people how to know Jesus more intimately. You continue to teach these people how to grow up in their faith and mature. Most Christians, they spend their entire life right here in immaturity and doing. Thinking that if they do more and know more, they're going to be more intimately connected with Jesus. And it leads them in this vicious circle of immaturity. And listen, you can be 10, you can be 110, and never grow up in faith. And most people never become that mature Christian who continually goes back and serves and calls people to know Jesus. And I have a tendency to run the whole gamut. Whenever I think that I'm starting to become more intimately involved with Jesus and think I'm a disciple maker, I start acting like a fool and I need to grow up some more. It's not a stair-step progression. It's kind of like a process that's ongoing. Even Paul, when he was writing the scripture, he said, I haven't obtained all this, but I'm leaving behind what I used to be and pressing on toward the goal of Jesus Christ. Key is his words, his scripture, his gospel. Where do you find yourself on this process right now? If you are a seeker, it is so urgent that you turn your life to Christ. Don't wait any longer. Peter says, save yourself from this wretched generation. And with many other words, he urged them, encouraged them, and called them to come to Christ to repent of their sins and be baptized. Are you a new Christian? Are you new to the faith? Jesus, the scriptures describes him as so gentle that if you are like a candle getting ready to be snuffed out, he could go by and he won't blow you out. But he can ignite your faith, make your heart burn within you, and 
grow you up with the good words that he gives us. Where do you find yourself? We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.